Good morning and welcome to Missio. If you're a guest, uh, my name's Dominic, and we're so glad that you're here this morning to celebrate with us uh, on Christmas Adam. (laughs) Um, We've been in a series uh, called Possible. We've been taking the last few weeks to kind of journey together through the Advent season, and today is, in fact, the last Sunday of Advent. Um, Advent being a season that uh, traditionally we think of really helping us to prepare for uh, Christmas, but what we've been looking at this, this year is the reality that um, Advent reminds us that we, we live in a time, time in between, if you will. Uh, Advent uh, contains within itself this crucial balance of the now and the not yet uh, uh, that our faith requires. We're reminded that Christ has come, that Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And in the meantime, uh, we live in this posture uh, of waiting, this, this season, if you will, called the time in between. And this year, we've been looking at the, this theme uh, called possible, uh, coming from the interaction, the dialogue that Mary had with the angels when they first appeared to her, as recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Mary was afraid, and the angels said, do not be afraid, for uh, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, and you're going to give birth to a child. And she says, well, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel explains, yeah, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon her. She'll give birth to the Savior. And at the end of it, um, the angel looks at her and says, this is going to happen, Mary, <laughs> because nothing is impossible with God. And it's from that phrase in Luke 1, uh, verse 37, where the angel declares that nothing will be impossible with God, that we've been focusing this year again on this theme of, of possible. That as we live life in between this time of Christ's coming and Christ's return, that the things of God are possible. The promises of God are possible. Hope is possible. Love is possible. Joy is possible. And this morning, what we're going to look at and focus on is the reality that peace is possible. And as we talk about peace this morning, we're going to be thinking about it in the the Hebrew word of the sense of shalom as we look at one of the the, the verses in Isaiah. But shalom meaning, really, just to simplify it in one word, would would be wholeness. To be wholeness. And so what we're going to focus on this morning is that wholeness or peace with God, in God, is possible because of Christ's birth. And so I want to read for you this morning um, the, the birth of Jesus Christ as told by Luke in chapter 2. And we're going to start by reading verses uh, 1 through 7. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to follow along. If not, it'll be up above. But this is the, the account of, of Christ's birth in the Gospel of Luke. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor over Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn." So this morning as we talk about peace and the possibility of peace through the birth of Christ, this is, this is the context. What we see here is that Luke opens up his narrative about the birth of Christ, talking about or speaking about the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus. If you're familiar with him, you know that he, he ruled from 27 BC to about AD uh, 14. He presided over what was considered or called the golden age of Rome. Maybe you've heard the phrase Pax Romana before, the Roman peace. 
This was a, a place and a time that, that he was responsible for ushering in. And it was a season of wealth and of military might that lasted for 200 plus years. So long beyond his life, but he was the one that ushered it in. And because of that, Caesar Augustus was actually known as the Prince of Peace. And it's in God's providence that Caesar orders a census that causes Joseph and Mary to go from Nazareth to Joseph's ancestral hometown of Bethlehem to the town of King David. And this is in fulfillment of the prophet Micah, which proclaimed in Micah 5.2 that out of this small little town, this kind of nowhere place of Bethlehem, the Messiah would be born. And so Jesus is born during the reign of Caesar Augustus, again, this Prince of Peace. And it's in this context that angels now come during this Pax Romana to shepherds who are out in the field and they proclaim the following in Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts, or many, many angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This proclamation of, of God's glory revealed that a child would come and he would bring peace. And this was to fulfill the prophecy that was spoken 700 years earlier through the prophet Isaiah. And I want to look there real quick before we talk again about the nature of this peace. But Isaiah 9, verses 6 to 7 reads this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So 700 years prior to Christ actually being born, the prophet Isaiah proclaimed this. A child would be born, a son would be given, and he would bring about a peace. He would, one of his names, during the, the reign of the Prince of Peace, Caesar Augustus, one of the names of this actual Messiah would be the Prince of Peace. And he would bring about a peace that was entirely different from a different sort and a different source than that of Caesar Augustus. It would be a peace that would last much longer than 200 years. It would be a peace that was otherworldly, supernatural, an eternal peace, a peace not secured by human might nor wealth, but a peace that brought with it and was really undergirded by justice and righteousness, and a peace that was established and sure to happen and take place. Why? Because the zeal of the Lord would cause it to happen. The intense devotion of the Lord God would make this peace a reality for humanity. What both Isaiah and Luke tell us is that there is a peace available, a peace that's brought to humanity through the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the son who is one with the everlasting father, the prince of peace. 
There is a wholeness that is available. There is a wholeness that is possible to humanity because of the birthing of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, into the world. And so the angels appear to the shepherds, and this is, this is what they declare. And they declare this, I think, for multiple reasons. One, it's to remind them that ever since the fall in the garden, ever since Satan came in and he deceived Adam and Eve, and he brought about disturbance, destruction, discord, and chaos, that God has been at work to restore all things back to wholeness. God has been at work to restore all things back to himself, back to peace. And that that was going to happen and was happening in a new way through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. The angels declare, Messiah has arrived. The savior of the world is here. And therefore, peace is possible on earth. In the language of our, again, our Advent series, the angels were simply declaring that peace is possible. What I'd like to propose to you this morning or invite you to think about again with me in in this reality of thinking about peace is to think about wholeness. And what I invite you to think about this morning is that really I think the angels in those statements were declaring this, that a relationship of wholeness is possible with the living God. A relationship of wholeness is possible with the living God. And if a relationship of wholeness is possible with the living God, then that means a relationship of wholeness is possible with all the creation that you're surrounded by. But it has to start with that relationship of wholeness with the God who created you. The God who created the world. The God who created everything and the God that desires that all of it be returned to a place and a status of peace, of wholeness. And that he was ensuring that through his son, Jesus Christ. I want to talk a little bit about How does one become the recipient or how does one enter into this relationship of wholeness with God? Because I think this narrative tells us. In short, it would be this. It's by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, believing he is the savior of the world, both once and for all, but also in a continual process of seeking him and seeing him and finding that in him, God is faithful, God is true. I get that from this. In verse 10, the angels come and they declare, behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. So this declaration that everyone has the ability to enter into this joy, everyone has the ability to enter into the salvation of this baby that was born. But in verse 14, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Other translations say peace to the people of God's good pleasure. So the question is, how do you become a person of God's pleasure? How do you become one of whom and with whom God is pleased? Well, all of Scripture tells us simply really just by living in faith. It's by looking at Christ. It's by seeing Christ and establishing a relationship of faith, placing your faith in him in response to the grace received, that that makes peace possible with God. See, that's what we see in in, in the next verses here that as, the, as the, the, the angels leave, the shepherds we see in verses 15 through 20, it says this. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, when they saw him, 
They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, because it had been told to them. It was as it had been told to them. The shepherds received the grace of God in this proclamation of a son, a savior, the one to save the world, to bring joy and to bring peace, to bring wholeness in relationship with God. And in response to that grace, what do they do? They go and they seek out. And in seeking out, they also see. And in seeing, they realize God's faithfulness, God's goodness. And it causes them to experience transformation such that they now become proclaimers of this peace, of this joy alongside these angels. Shepherds, if you think about people who are ostracized in this society, people who in a sense are outcasts in this society, people who are considered dirty in this day and in this age and in society, people who are left out in the fields to do their work at night, not welcomed to dwell in the city in the light of day, hired by someone else to be out there, and the angels come to them to say, there is a new grace that God is bringing about through his son Jesus Christ to bring salvation to all people. And how do you enter into it? You enter into it by, by receiving, by seeking, and by seeing that in Christ, God is who he says he is. God is doing what he says he, he, he's going to do, that God is fulfilling his promises. I think in many ways, the angels are proclaiming to the shepherds and to all of us that peace and goodwill is God's heart and desire for humanity and all of his creation. Peace and goodwill is God's heart and his desire for all of humanity and all of creation. And it's a peace that is available to all people, but it's actually only experienced by those who would open their hearts or give their hearts to him and receive it. It's a peace, a salvation, a joy, a wholeness that's available to all, as the angels proclaimed, good news of great joy for all people. But to actually experience it, for it to actually be possible in your life, you must simply receive. Hear of the grace. Respond to the grace. Seek Jesus. See him. And in seeing his face, in seeing him, knowing God is faithful, God is good. And God truly does desire for me peace and wholeness. He desires my goodwill. It was seeing Christ for themselves that radically transformed the shepherds' lives. The shepherds heard that there was glory in the heavens. They heard that there was peace on earth. And in seeing Christ, beholding him, focusing on him, pausing from everything else going on and seeing Christ, that they began themselves to experience this peace. After 400 years of silence for God's people, the silence is broken. The light shines into the darkness. In the midst of of a dark field, light shines, and God declares that he desires peace and goodwill for all of his creation. He desires wholeness in relationship for all of his creation, and that he has made the way for it. It is possible because of Jesus Christ. Peace with God through his son Jesus that makes peace possible in every other area of our life. I think one of the things that we see here in this short verses of the narrative of the shepherds is this. In the moment of seeing Christ, they experienced peace with God. But I think the second thing that happened is they, from there, they experienced actually peace with themselves. I think thirdly, then, they experienced peace with others. 
And I think fourthly, they experienced peace with the world around them. They experienced peace with their reality. You as a shepherd do not go all of a sudden into the town and become a herald of any sort of news. Unless this is true. Do you follow me? But in seeing the baby Jesus, in seeing Christ, they knew in that moment they were accepted by God. They were loved by God. They had peace with him. And that gave them peace with themselves. Whatever they were thinking about, whatever they were wrestling with, whatever guilt they felt, whatever shame they felt, whatever was going on, melted away. Peace. Such that they had a new identity that allowed them to go walk into a town and all of a sudden be proclaimers, speaking clearly, speaking, proclaiming, as if they were educated, as if they were welcomed into a place, a a new, a new peace with self, a new peace then with others. Ultimately then, a peace with the world around them. And actually, they began to become participants with God in this proclamation of peace to the world. So I'd ask you this morning, in light of this narrative, in light of this proclamation, that peace is possible and available to all, but actually only experienced by those who open their heart to Christ, I believe once and for all, but also on an ongoing basis in the midst of life. Do you have peace this morning? Are you experiencing wholeness? Are you experiencing wholeness in relationship with the Lord, with God, your creator? Do you have wholeness in relationship to yourself? Do you have wholeness in relationship to others around you? Maybe it's spouses, maybe it's kids, maybe it's boyfriends, girlfriends, maybe it's coworkers, maybe it's neighbors. Do you have peace? Is there wholeness in that relationship? And do you have peace with the world around you? Do you have peace with the reality of the life world that's being formed and shaped around us in this year 2018, all the things that are going on? Peace, wholeness, possible through God giving his son Jesus into the world. Do you have peace this morning? And I'd propose to you that if peace with God is what you need, I invite you to look this morning at Jesus and see how he loves you and see how he has come to be the peace offering between you and God himself. If peace with self is what you need, I invite you this morning to pause and to look at Jesus and to see that he loves you and he has given you a new identity as a beloved child of God in which you now live and in which now you can begin to see yourself and understand yourself. If peace with others is what you need, I'd invite you this morning to stop and to look at Jesus and see how he loves others and invite him actually into the midst of that relationship where you're feeling not wholeness, where you're feeling discord, and to see that he wants to be the peacemaker in the midst of that. And it is possible to experience peace in the midst of that. And if peace with reality, the world around us, is what you need, again, I invite you to look at Jesus And to see how entering into the gospel narrative, this narrative and this story of a good news of great joy, to see how that gives you a new lens through which you can see and perceive and understand and discern all of the things going on in our modern day and in this life world. Because again, Advent invites us to sit in the tension, to be honest about the tension, to not hide nor fake, but to look at the reality that we live in between in the time of Christ's coming and the time that he will come again. And we look at this, sometimes we go, peace, what are you talking about? What on earth were the angels declaring? Because I don't sense that peace. I don't feel that peace. I still see the reign of discord. I still feel the tension 
of the reality of, of life in 2018. But what the angels declare, what Isaiah declared, is that God for sure and certainly is going to bring about this reign of peace once and for all when his son comes again. But the invitation is also that that peace is available now today. As we live as people that seek and see and behold Christ, allowing him to be our peace with God, with ourselves, with others, with the circumstances of the world around us. And what scripture speaks of, what Paul writes in Philippians to this church in the midst of a time of tension, a a church living in Advent, is that there's joy to be had and that we can draw near to God in prayer because we have peace with him. And in doing that, what we receive is a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that he writes and says is transcendent. Why? It transcends our circumstances. Why? Because it's a peace, again, not secured by human military might or wealth, nor nor our circumstances, but it's a peace that is secured by the transcendent one who became imminent for us, the one who is above all, who came down and entered into the midst of everything for us and with us. And therefore, this peace can transform everything. Marlena Graves, who's an author and, and a worship leader, she wrote this. She said, as I contemplate the peace of Christ, I'm reminded of a precious bit of wisdom from Seraphim of Serov, an 18th century Russian saint in the Orthodox Church. Acquire the spirit of peace and thousands around you will be saved. Jesus is working peace into us, which then flows out of us and into the lives of others and all of creation. Yet we must be open to receiving it. Peace that comes to us by grace, a peace that fills us and consumes us by grace, a peace that flows out of us, through us by the grace of God, in partnership with him to now begin to transform this world. So that as we live in this season, this time in between in this Advent, peace becomes possible not just for us, but peace becomes possible for others. Peace becomes truly possible for the world. And so on this last Sunday of Advent, a few days before we actually go and celebrate Christmas, again, I'd ask you or say to you, if peace is what you need, I invite you to look to Jesus and see that it's possible. If wholeness of relationships is what you need, I invite you to look to Jesus and receive it. And I want to give us this this closing thought um, kind of on this idea of peace here. One of the things that we see, or two of the things that we see here, I believe, are this. When the angels come to the shepherds, I mean, you can imagine, they've got their sheep. What do they do with that? (laughs) What do you do? Literally, probably hundreds of sheep. And it just says, it says that that they went. I'm reading that honestly, that they all went. Like it was so important, so valuable. There was just something drawing and stirring them to respond to this grace. I mean, I don't know if they called somebody else and said, hey, can you babysit my sheep for a little bit? Or I mean, I don't know how they dealt with the practicality of that, honestly. But something just drove them. The grace of God just drew them to the place to the point where they're going, I know I got this stuff going on, but I, I got to go see this Savior. I got to go see this Jesus. And also, they didn't go alone. So real practically, I just want to say this. I know we got a lot of stuff going on. 
We've been real honest about it as a staff this year, even on Tuesday in our staff meeting. We've got a lot going on, almost that it's, 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 it's robbed us and stolen away from focus at times during this Advent season. But the beautiful thing is God's called us to life and community. And sometimes it's really hard to go and to seek Jesus and to see him and to allow yourself to experience his peace when you've got all the craziness of the stuff going on. So don't go it alone. You don't have to go it alone. Look to the brothers and sisters around you. Look to the friends around you. Look to those people who you know will support you in your seeking of Christ to experience this peace so that it becomes a reality for your life. Nothing about this, none of the narratives speak of any of the people doing it on their own. Mary in partnership with Joseph. And first Mary, though, in partnership with Elizabeth. Joseph not doing it on his own, but the, his family counsels him. The shepherds not going alone. They went together. The magi who will come, the kings that will come. It wasn't just one, it was three. It's always, I'm seeing in this narrative, communities of people going to seek out together this king, this savior who was born. Why? Because I think even then, the realities of life, it's, it's busy, it's hard. How do you do it alone? You can't, you don't. Pressure's off, you're not called to. So maybe in this season you sit there and go, but I just, I, 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 I can't. Well, you know what? We can together. Lean in to the beauty of the community God's called us to. To seek Christ together. To sit together and gaze upon him and experience his peace. I think last thing, uh, practically again looking at this, is the incarnation. The incarnation is God's resounding yes over your life. I sat this morning in the midst of a week that wasn't so peaceful for a number of reasons, which I'll save for later. But just sitting and meditating on this and God just going and saying, but listen, the incarnation, son, is, is my yes. It's my yes over your life to say again, yes, hope is possible in the midst of all that you face. Love is possible in the midst of all that you face. Joy is possible in the midst of all that you face. And peace, wholeness, it is possible in the midst of all that you face. The incarnation, me giving my son to you, sending him to be born into the world, to share in your experience, is my resounding yes over your life. It's my resounding invitation for you to know me more and more fully. For you and I to enter into more and more a relationship of wholeness together. And so here's my son. I invite you to see him. I invite you to seek him. I invite you to live life in the fullness of who he is and who I've created you to be in him. And so in closing, I would say this morning, if peace is what you need, if wholeness is what you need, I invite you with me to seek and to see Jesus and to invite him to be your peace this morning. In order to do that, and even just to help facilitate that a little bit, before we go into our closing worship, I want to give us a moment of peace, a moment of silence, that I hope will lead you to a moment of peace, a moment of wholeness. There's a verse up here, 2 Thessalonians 3, 16 and 18. It says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Peace with God, peace with self, peace with others, peace with the world in every way. And how is that possible? Because the Lord is with you. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I invite you to sit with me, to meditate on this verse for a few minutes, to seek Jesus in your thoughts towards it, 
that we might experience wholeness this morning, and then we'll worship. Amen.